0: Welcome to Just Checking In. I'm Becky Buckman. And I'm Kiana Corliss. Each week, we'll use humor, a little irony, and definitely some self-deprecation to dive into the world of high-tech corporate comms.
1: We'll use our expertise and less-than-serious take on the tech news cycle to bring you the best in the business across comms and media for one-of-a-kind insights and perspectives you won't hear anywhere else.
0: Get ready to laugh and maybe even start a tweet thread. This is Just Checking In. So, Becky, I don't think we could have predicted that for our last podcast of this first season, we would have had probably the biggest news from Peloton and then the actual head of comms at Peloton on the show. I mean, wow.
1: Yeah. We, but you know, we have a nose for news, Kiana. So we must have each had a sixth
0: sense that Jessica was going to be a good interview, right? Here's the thing. She actually was a fantastic interview and she was super candid with us and she actually gave really good insights and she was really candid about sort of. What they've done well, what they could do better. So, this week, Peloton's CEO actually did end up stepping down as a member. I actually got their email from oh, wow. the CEO. And so, if those of us in comms know that that letter probably went through like 15 iterations, mm-hmm. but I actually thought it was a really well worded, really honest email. I think they did a really good job. And he was, you know, super honest about the challenges they faced and sort of the path forward. And they talked a lot about you know their commitment to their members which is a lot about what Jessica actually talks about on our podcast coming up but it's super super interesting timing <laughs> <laughs> and very timely but we you know just to to reiterate we had this
1: conversation yes. with Jessica the SVP of comms at Peloton who is an amazing person on many levels an amazing comms professional but we had this conversation with her last week when you know Peloton obviously has been in the news and I think if you're a comms person you can you know definitely see some of the the complex issues that she's had to very gracefully deal with. And as you said, she was super candid with us. And I think the interview's really interesting and lots of lessons for, for other people in our field.
0: Yeah. This is our last podcast of the first
1: season. So we'll be back. I know. We don't know when the other season is. I think it depends on when we get more guests, right? It's kind of up in the air. I know,
0: right? It's exactly right. But you know what? It's been so fun these last few weeks, just like I don't know, Becky, I feel like everyone keeps reaching out to us and people have been so supportive and super nice. And so it's been really fun to do this. So I think we need to do another season. I think so.
1: I mean, the thing, I think we both heard specifically from people that there's not a lot of resources like this out there for comms professionals. You know, I, I don't know if I would call this professional development. Really, that sounds a little too fancy for what we're doing. It is a, a low key form of professional development for people in our field. um, And hopefully we've kept it light and interesting enough that people can, you know, tune in for 20 or 30 minutes. So we're happy to do it again.
0: We are. And if you liked it, you know, shameless plug, go on Apple, Spotify and rate us, rate us, tell all your friends. And I
1: also think we should use this opportunity to give a big shout out to the StudioPod team who are our great producers and the people who uh, make us sound a little smarter than we are, frankly, specifically Teresa, who is silently on the line every time we do one of these tapings.
0: And she's been amazing. So thank she's you. She's going to be a, a comms professional by the end of this. She is. She's ready to, she's ready to go get in <laughs> She's ready. Time. So StudioPod, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Let's do it. Let's go into our last episode of this season. Jessica Klamanos, SVP of comms at Peloton. It's going to be a good one. All right, let's do it. All right, you guys, if you know me, you know my biggest love outside of this podcast, obviously, is Peloton. And I am so, so, so excited to have Jessica Kleinman on our podcast today, she is the SVP of Communications at Peloton and she's had a heck of a career actually before she even got to Peloton. So Jessica, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So, you actually it didn't start at Peloton. You were at another incredibly awesome brand, Instagram. Tell us a little bit about like how you got to Peloton, a little bit about your background and then, you know, we have a lot to talk about. You guys have had a year. I don't know what you're
2: talking about. (laughs) It's a very, very boring job. (laughs) Just kidding. Yeah. So I've been at Peloton for almost four years, which is incredible to think about. But I really started out, I I like to call myself a content junkie. I was a huge you know, magazine girl growing up, read every teen magazine and fashion magazine, and I really wanted to be a magazine editor. And so uh, I went to University of Michigan, and I studied communication and English, and I started freelancing for magazines in college, I really thought I was going to be, you know, an editor in chief. And then I interviewed for jobs, and couldn't find one in magazines. And I had done a couple of internships in in PR, I didn't know a ton about it. But I was like, Oh, maybe I can get a job doing PR for magazines and meet lots of editors and then switch back over, and kind of use my networking skills. And I ended up landing at a small PR firm in New York called The Rosen Group, which is still around. At that time, it was about four people. And I was like the chief cook and bottle washer at the age (laughs) of 21. I never had to be an assistant, which I feel grateful for. I was kind of thrown into the pool to learn how to swim. And it was an amazing experience. So I worked on lots of media brands. I was permitted to continue to freelance right on the side. And so I kind of was able to foster that passion and it was um, it was a really great way to learn the ropes in the communications industry. And then I went to a company that you may be familiar with called The Knot dot com. Oh yeah, which if you've ever planned a wedding or been in, in a knot. wedding, you probably know it. It was pre Pinterest.
0: It was. That it was the It original original was an early interest. version. Yeah. Of Pinterest. They didn't have Pinterest yeah. when I was getting married, so I used The Knot.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that was a, an incredible learning experience for me. I actually. Interestingly, and this, you know, as communications professionals, I think we're natural networkers and connectors. And so I, in my freelance life, was writing a, an article for a bridal magazine. And I interviewed the editor in chief and co-founder of The Knot and became friends with her kind of de facto PR person who did not want to be doing PR. I was like she was thrown into the role and didn't really care for it. And so they ended up inviting me to their office and I was trying to like pitch them for business for my PR firm. And they turned around and said, why don't you come work for us? Oh, that's awesome. And so I thought, what an opportunity to join a startup, you know, really learn an incredible amount in a, you know, short period of time. They were prepared, they were pre-IPO. And so I took them public, you know, very early in my career. So I was able to kind of parlay that experience to the rest of my career from there, I jumped to Hearst Magazines, where I spent 12 years, so the bulk, oh, the wow. bulk of my career. Um, and really, that was because i had never worked at a big company. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. every decision I've made in my career has been to kind of learn something new. And Hearst, I did not expect to stay so long, but it is actually a pretty entrepreneurial place. Kind of, from the outside, it looks very kind of big and you know slow and conservative, but it, it is actually pretty like lean and mean internally. And, um, you know, I got to work on a lot of startups. I got to oversee their digital division, international, books, brand development. You know, the job kept evolving and growing. And so I stayed there a long time and then flash forward, really wanted to get back into tech, Talked to everyone I knew in the industry and ended up getting an opportunity to interview at Instagram. Went there for a couple of years to run consumer communications, which was Super fun. That's awesome. Then I landed at Peloton.
0: And the rest is history. The rest is history, as
2: they say.
1: But where, okay, my question for you, because we we did an extensive pre-brief with you, is that you're giving us all a bad name because you apparently wrote a book while on maternity leave. I was not (laughs) writing books on either of my leaves. So tell us about that before we jump into Peloton.
2: So that was kind of on my bucket list. I always wanted, I've always written tons of magazine articles, not that anyone reads real magazines anymore. But back in the day when people did, that was something I really enjoyed doing. But I really wanted to write a book. And a very dear friend of mine to this day, who's worked in communications in the arts for a very long time, she and I thought, you know, what if we wrote a book that took from our experience of using PR techniques? to help people build their personal brand and get ahead in their career. And so we wrote a book called Be Your Own Best Publicist. I love that. And we actually got the book deal, I think, while I was pregnant, and then we had to write it. And so (laughs) it was actually kind of fortuitous (laughs) because on my maternity leave, which back in the day, you know, it was like 13 weeks, not what it is today. We split up the chapters. and, And while Emma, my daughter, who's turning 12 in a couple of weeks, was snapping I wrote and I just kind of banged it out and it it so it sort of worked out really well that I had I had two babies that year
0: <laughs> Well you've had an incredible career I think we've so much to learn from you but you've also had an incredible year I would say actually you guys have probably had a couple of incredible years because you guys were kind of the darlings of the pandemic. And you know, you've had a lot of ups and downs. I think that's pretty well documented at this point. You know, we were joking earlier that even people that aren't in our profession would say, wow, the Peloton PR team is doing work. But you know, something I've seen the last couple of weeks, especially, is you guys have really been relying on your members to tell your story, which actually, it doesn't seem crazy because you guys have maybe the most diehard members on earth. I'm not sure who they are. I've never met one. <laughs> um, I mean, I, you know, I get offended if anyone speaks poorly of on, but you know, it's not as, as maybe a obvious as a strategy from a comm standpoint, you're thinking my CEO needs to make a statement. My CFO needs to go on CNBC, but you guys are actually going a different direction. What's sort of been the thinking there to rely on that community?
2: Peloton is a really interesting brand. And one of the reasons why I was interested in even interviewing there when I was in Instagram, because Instagram was really in many ways my dream job. And part of what I loved about Instagram, other than it really being also driven by content, though the content was created by the community versus by editors. And I see Peloton also as a content company. I mean, We're a streaming media company as much as technology or fitness or anything else. Instagram had this virtual community of people who connected through shared interests and passions, and they connected through technology. So they connected through this platform, and then they developed these real-world relationships off-platform. And I thought that was really fascinating when I worked at Instagram, and I, I oversaw, you know, one of the verticals I oversaw was community. So I worked to tell stories about some of these amazing communities. And so I saw some parallels with Peloton. And what's interesting is I wasn't, I was not a Peloton member. I had never been on a bike. Um, I used to go to the, you know, go to a spin class when I was out in Palo Alto every three weeks for two years. And right next door was a Peloton showroom. And so I sort of like peripherally knew it. And a lot of executives at Facebook and Instagram had bikes. So I kind of knew it in the ether But back then, it really wasn't a household name. Um, But what intrigued me was that it lived at the intersection of fitness, media, and technology. But it had this really incredible, passionate community of people who were honestly selling more bikes at the time. We didn't have the tread yet. But now, bikes and treads then our salespeople. And I think we have the best salespeople in the business. So that is something special and not every brand can boast a community of consumers or members that believe so deeply in the brand and the mission and and what you're creating. And so that I think is like a really a part of our special sauce. And obviously, now that I'm in the community, and I'm as rabid a Peloton fan as anyone else, um, you know, I understand it. I think it's hard for people, and you know, you're talking about the the crazy couple of years. I think what's interesting about Peloton is if you're if you're in the community, you get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, there is it, it's a different perspective. And so I'll give you an example. Like others, I had a perception of Peloton when I first you know, learned of the brand, that it was for a certain type of person. Right. And three weeks into the job, we had our annual community event, which at that time was still in person in New York. Um, and I went and I remember looking around the ballroom and seeing a really diverse audience of people. Yeah. And these were people who paid their way to New York or lived, you know. This is the homecoming thing, right? The homecoming. At that time, it was called Home Rider Invasion, HRI, because <laughs> we only had bikes. But this is the cool thing about it is that home rider invasion now called homecoming was started by members about a hundred members who connected Mm. through the bike experience, decided to meet up, you know, they they formed a group on Facebook, they decided to meet up in New York and invade the cycling studio on 23rd Street. Oh, I did not know that. That is so interesting. And we got wind of it. I wasn't at the company yet. Our head of community was like, "Ah, oh, let's put out a rack of clothing and let's, you know, show up and greet them. And it was like very Holly <laughs> Hobby. And <laughs> since then, obviously, mm-hmm. we've taken it over. And this year, it'll be virtual again, unfortunately. But last year, we were actually able to have 50,000 members join us virtually versus 3,000 right. in person due to you know space constraints. So in a way, wow. that's made it more accessible. But I think that you know realizing once you're in it that um, it is really quite a diverse community of people who are part of Peloton, whether it's the app or the bike or the tread, and you know that's geographically, ethnically, age, um, disability. Yep. Et cetera. And I think that we need to do a better job of telling those stories and allowing our members to tell those stories
1: to Kiana's point too, when you when you do leverage them, and I think you guys have done that very smartly, it just comes off as so authentic. And it's not a strategy that a lot of us either can employ or do employ. But you know, I, I don't know if if executives have been surprised perhaps by the impact
2: the founders of Peloton did not create the bike or the platform or the brand thinking. Of community, they knew there was a social that there were social mm. features, but I think the fact that the community kind of sprung up organically surprised. It was like a pleasant surprise, and then since then, obviously, we've we've fostered it, and that's so interesting. We, we listen to our community, and frankly, I mean, you said it, it feels authentic because it is authentic. Because if we did anything that didn't feel authentic, we would hear about it from our members immediately, yeah. and that is. Mm -hmm. Um, it cuts both ways. Like they have, they share their feedback with us. They share their opinions and we welcome it, but sometimes they don't like things we do and we have to listen to that too. So it is a relationship. It's like the relationship between Kiana, I don't know who your favorite instructor is, but there is like a next gentry. (laughs) Oh yeah. She's great.
0: But this is actually a very good point that I was going to ask you about. You said something that I think holds very true for the people who are members. We get it my mom and I both have treads and my dad and my brother who like could care less are like, oh man, this is the end of your Peloton. And you see my mom and I vehemently being like, are you insane? You can't break this down. Like they're going to be fine. It's about the content. And so there's the people who get it and the people who don't. And I think that's got to be a challenge for you guys from a comms perspective is that it's very bipolar like there are people who will yes. either go out there and fight for you kicking okay. and screaming my mother and I and then there's people who are like what are you talking okay. about it's over you know and okay. and it's like how do you sort of reconcile that from a comms standpoint
2: yeah it's interesting because what i try to tell my team and our executives and myself is that when people stop talking about your brand that's when you're in trouble that is true. Right? I mean, we are we are culturally relevant. And so that combined with the fact that to your point, I almost feel like we have lovers and we have haters and there's not a whole lot in between yeah. makes for a great headline because the lovers are going to mm-hmm. click on it and the haters are going to click on it. And then you just keep writing and writing because you know people will click on it. You
0: guys are like Taylor Swift, basically.
2: which I'm glad we just did a Taylor Swift collection which was fantastic it's interesting from a comms perspective and it's hard because when you're in it it can it can take a toll on your mental health and you know I work for a mission-driven company like the mission of Peloton is to help people lead happier healthier lives and to take care of their physical mental and emotional well-being and so I have to try to take a Beat. I mean, I took a mental health day on Monday, I I have my team take one one a month. And I it was there was January thirty first, And their leader had not taken her mental health day yet. And so I forced myself to take it in the midst of, you know, a pretty busy time. But I think it's really critical, because it can be tough. And you want to keep people's spirits up. Um, one of the things that we did a few weeks ago is we brought our entire global team and all of our agencies together, and we did a brainstorm session on, you know, what are the narratives out there about us right now that we can proactively storytell around and actually maybe combat, and a lot of that would be through our members, mm-hmm. through our Health and Wellness Advisory Council, um, you know, and all sorts of other other ways, but we don't really have a ton of time to carve out, to be strategic and creative because we're so reactive right now. And that's hard. I think that you have to try to balance the proactive and the reactive, especially in times of crisis.
1: What about other, I mean, this is kind of an open-ended question, but just thinking about corp comms lessons, you know, from the last year, you know, you've done this job at a few different companies, but what are some takeaways for other comms professionals, things they might not have thought about?
2: It's interesting how the comms landscape has changed so dramatically. And I know you've talked about this with other guests. And I I love it because I think that it allows you to exercise lots of different muscles. And it's it's not as narrow as it once was. So when I started out, it really was PR and media relations. Like you pitch stories to the media. Mm-hmm. It was, was also in the days I'm dating myself, but it was also in the days where like it was sort of Pre, and like the internet was nascent it wasn't a 24-hour news cycle and if the reporter reached out to you after six o'clock on a Friday they had to wait until Monday if you were gone for the weekend like no wait, way to tell me, me more about that that sounds lovely <laughs> I know yes that right that, that was <laughs> Work-life balance existed.
0: It's fine. Becky used to fax her pitches, so don't worry mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> oh,
2: oh, me too. No, no, no. I was
1: getting them. Come on, that was when I was on the other side. I was receiving them on the fax. All right, let's set that. Story. Oh,
2: that's right. That's right. That's right. That's okay. I did a lot of envelope <laughs> stuffing right. back in in the early days of my <laughs> comm career. <laughs> you know, I sat on the board of New York Women in Communications for several years, and. I think that organization was kind of ahead of its time because it was very broad. It was for women across, you know, editorial, marketing, social, PR, crisis, like all, all the air, advertising. And I think it was hard for them at the beginning because if you were in advertising, you joined the advert, you know, advertising women of New York. And I came in, I was chief communications officer there and rebranded them. And the fact is, I said, you're ahead of your time because everything's converging. Yeah. And so I think that that actually served them well. Mm-hmm. And so in my role at Peloton, I oversee, yes, PR, but also corporate communications, internal comms, social, editorial, crisis comms, policy comms, et cetera. And so, um and I sit on the marketing leadership yep. team. So we roll up to marketing, which mm-hmm. um, has been really interesting for me. So I think corpcoms, um, you know, again, you, you, I know you you were interested in in hearing about the differences between working at a private company and a public company, and it is very different. And corpcoms is critical in either, but it's different depending on whether you're privately held or public.
1: Yeah, more guardrails, I think you'd mention. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: You've probably, you know, I, I think I learned a lot about this when I worked for a public company is that internal comms becomes so important because especially if your your employees are quite literally invested. Uh, so there's, there's like a whole extra element of this and that, you know, and there, they, a lot of times we, we talked about this, I think maybe with Gina, but um, you forget that a large part of your company actually gets their information from the news. And so I feel like you guys have probably actually had, you know, a lot to learn from an internal comms standpoint as well, you know, just making sure. And and I've seen a lot from your employees that have Mm -hmm. talked about how proud they are to work there. And I think that says a lot.
2: So when I joined Peloton, there was no communications department at all, believe it or not. And so, you know, they had an agency and they had like, someone on the marketing team who was sort of managing them but they did not have an in-house team and that's part of what intrigued me to join because I knew I could come in and build a team and a strategy from scratch and that excited me. So I was a team of one for about the first 6 months and I knew that two of the most critical roles would be corp comms and internal. And internal comms is interesting because people think that it's a less sexy area of communications and the fact is is It is not only super critical, but it really helps you develop the voice of the company internally and create and foster culture. And so, you know, it took us a while to find the right person and now, you know, small team, small and mighty team, as we like to call them, but it has made such an enormous difference and it it is absolutely critical.
0: I think it's interesting you say that because at every tech company I've been, I always felt like we hired the internal comms like when we finally had to, which I think speaks to what you just said is that it's just, you know, it's like the less sexy. They're like, oh, do we really need an internal comms person? And I think, you know, what you you just said is like, everyone (laughs) listen. Did you hear her? (laughs) You need an internal comms person.
2: Yeah. It's, I mean, we, we really, we spend a lot of time and care on how we communicate with our employees. And we also have we have very different employee populations across Peloton. We're such a vertically integrated company. We have corporate employees. We have, you know, hourly workers, like, on the front lines, you know, our field operations, delivery, member support, retail. That's a very different kind of population. Um, and you have to figure out how to And with an international. So you really have to figure out, like, What channels are they using and, and how, you know, what, what is going to be relevant to them? And so it's, you know, it's, I think it's really interesting.
1: Yeah. It's not all guys sitting in, engineers sitting in cubes, you know, it's at, which is something that we deal (laughs) with. We have those too. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) But they
0: are just part of a diverse employee population. We have to ask about the greatest PR response of all time. Of all time. Everyone has asked me about this. They're like, when they hear you're going to be on, they're like, could you please ask her about this? I know that it had to be taken down. We don't have to talk about why. But...
2: (laughs) I was like, can we not catch a break, people? I wanted to send you (laughs) flowers.
0: I was like, are these... Seriously? But you... I mean, that was so good. Thank you. If you were living in Iraq, the Sex and City remake is garbage. They also give Kill Big, which is garbage. And they do it on a Peloton, which was garbage.
2: And so... It wasn't on the Peloton, by the way. He got off the Peloton. That's true.
0: It was after the it Peloton. Was after, was it? Okay. So then you guys put out this incredible ad like 48 hours later. Tell us about that because I just found that to be the greatest jujitsu of all time. Thank you. Like how did it happen? Like what is the behind
1: the scenes dirt on how you got that done?
2: So back to when you're a Peloton member, which, you know, you both are it's a very different, like, it's fun, it's playful, we have a sense of humor, you know, you take a ride with Cody, and like, you're in on the joke. And I do feel that we haven't always been able to project that personality externally through our brand marketing or through our response on social. And, you know, if you look at a couple of years ago, when we had to deal with what I affectionately call holiday ad gate, you know, we we weren't able to respond in that kind of way and maybe we could have and i think you know you always, i always look at situations and think what are the lessons you can take out of it but interestingly Ryan Reynolds did jump on that opportunity and and make a really playful ad using the actress from from our commercial and it was you know we we were a little too close to it at the time but frankly it was genius and it was funny and so we had already been in discussions with Ryan and his marketing agency, Maximum Effort, about collaborating on something. And when this happened, and it just it was part part kismet, part ingenuity, and a really small team like rolling up their sleeves and getting it done really, really quickly. And and Ryan and his team's willingness to be in it with us, it was. So much fun it was so exhausting and you know even till the final minute like we weren't sure we were going to be able to pull it off but um you know just as background I have to clarify as I'm sure you've read that the and just like that scene it was not a product placement it did not go through the proper channels that most shows do or movies go through um where, you know, we have to get script approval and we have a legal agreement and they agree not to show the product or the brand in a negative light. And this was a casting opportunity for one of our instructors and it came through her agents and it came through the casting agency for the show, you know, and we really do try to encourage our instructors to kind of build their personal brands outside of Peloton as long as it's it makes sense and it isn't a conflict. And so it was a great opportunity for Jess to have have a cameo on a show that was part of the zeitgeist. And, you know, unfortunately, they weren't as above board as they could have been with the context. And that was very unfortunate. Um, and it you know was equally unfortunate that we were made to look like idiots for approving something as a product placement that actually wasn't. But, you know, that's semantics at this point. I, so I think it, we, we really wanted to take the opportunity to kind of do a clap back. And um, yeah, it was it was really like capturing lightning in a bottle. And uh, I'm really proud of the team that worked on it. It was
0: amazing. I'm proud of you guys. Was it taped like over a weekend?
2: I mean, did yeah. you? Yeah. We found the location. We flew the crew in. We were able to lock in Chris. Um, we changed Jess's teaching schedule so she could make the shoot. I mean, it was And then it was, you know, in the midst of COVID. Was Chris all in? Was he like, yeah, this is awesome? He he was, he was all in. Well, look, you guys,
0: I think are going to bounce back from this. That's my personal opinion. I will stick to it. I think you guys have the members to do it. I think you have the content to do it. I think this has been super, super informative and just really awesome to be able to hear from, you know, from you in the middle of all this. I think it's awesome that you came on. I actually wouldn't have been surprised if you were like. I can't do this right now. And the fact that you came on to talk to our audience about this, I think is is so cool. So thank you very much.
2: It was a delightful break from the whack-a-mole. That is my life. (laughs) So, I I was looking forward Uh to chatting with kindred spirits and Uh Kiana, we will have to make a date on the tread.
0: I would love that.
2: (laughs) Can we, uh... I will be, I will be at the bottom of the leaderboard. So you find me there.
0: I'm like, you know this morning I did Beck's tempo run yesterday and, Jess Sims 60 minute boot camp this morning. And I was like, well, we're going to need like a Cody Rigsby ride tomorrow. Yeah.
2: You, <laughs> Between you, the two. Make sure you're stretching. <laughs> exactly.
0: Okay. This has been awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yes, Jessica. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Just Checking In. Follow us at at Kiana Corliss and
1: at Rebecca Buckman. Just Checking In is a StudioPod media production. Our producer is Teresa Buchanan and our show coordinators are Nicole Genova and Alex Carcos.